Welcome back to the My Love of Golf podcast, everyone. Thank you for tuning back in. I really appreciate all of your listens, feedback, and commentary, and especially around the Scottish podcasts that we've just brought to you. And I received a number of very, very nice bits of feedback, and uh, it was a real pleasure and privilege to bring those two podcasts. And this week, we've got another one with the Scottish theme. When I was in Scotland, I had the chance to play with and sit down and talk to Gabrielle MacDonald, a young Scottish lady touring pro who's just completed her first year on the LET Access Series. And right about now, she's prepping for her um, qualifying stages of her full LET card. Now, in this story, Gabrielle takes us through her entire journey from junior golfer, her Scottish ladies amateur win and runner-up, her time on the St Andrews University golf team, and her move into professional golf. It's one of those stories of a young person doing their best, performing at the highest level, and trying to make a crack at a golf pro career. Gabrielle is a fine young lady, a nickname Steely, which she explains uh, in the latter stages of the podcast, but I think once you start listening to her, you'll understand why she's called Steely. She's just got that Steely determination, which makes me very, very confident that she'll do well. Her name's Gabrielle McDonald. Check her out on all the forms of social media. She's a great young athlete, a great young, young ambassador for Scottish golf. I love the chance to play golf with her and watching a pro play golf. It makes you realize just how much the pro game is different to the amateur game. These guys play a different way to we do, and I learn something every time that I get the opportunity to play with someone like Gabrielle. So enjoy this podcast. Gabrielle, I know you'll listen to it. I really, really appreciate your time. Best of luck with the qualifying for the LET. All the best. We're all behind you. Thanks for giving me your time. And we all look forward to uh, learning more about Gabrielle McDonald in this, po- this podcast and in the future. All right. Enjoy the listen. Sit back, relax. Thanks very much. Gabrielle McDonald, welcome to the My Love of Golf podcast. How are you, young lady? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Oh, thanks for coming down here to uh, beautiful Craigie Law Golf Club. Yeah, it's a nice day, sun's shining. Early, early start for us, but um, I'm sure you're used to it with the amount of uh, practicing that you do at all, all hours and all times. So, before we get into talking about you, we just mentioned we're sitting here at this beautiful part of the golfing world. Now... A lot of the listeners in, in Australia wouldn't really sort of haven't been to Scotland, who haven't been to Scotland might not appreciate where we are, but just where are we here at Craigie Law Golf Club? Uh, so we're about 30 minutes east of Edinburgh um, and it's, there's a lot of uh, Lynx golf courses along here. Um, 
And yeah, so Creagall is a fairly new club. I think it opened about 20 years ago, maybe just less than that. Um, and yeah, it's a great setting for golf. We've got a 18-hole golf course, driving range, six-hole par three course, um, and a nice new clubhouse with a lodge on the end of it for accommodation purposes. So yeah, it's a great setup down here. So the reason being that it's so good a setup for you is that you are their, can I call you their star professional <laughs> lady golfer? Uh, yeah, I guess you probably yeah, could. <laughs> I definitely think we can call you the the, their, uh, the star of the Craigie Law members' eyes down here. So, Gabrielle, I guess today it's a great opportunity for me to sit down and, and talk to you and, and just, you know, the My Love of Golf podcast, the guys that are listening will know, but for you, it's, it's about telling stories of golfers and, and your story is a, is a great one. Now, for the benefit of the people at home, you know, you and I have known each other for a couple of years now. I had the fortunate pleasure to meet you down here, yeah, just past two years ago where you were kind enough to host me out here for a game of golf and I never forgot that. But I guess we know each other through our family connection where you grew up in, pretty much grew up in the same street as one of my family members, that's correct, yeah? Yep, so... Um... Your cousin Kerr and Craig, they live just down, a few houses down from mine. Um, so we've been pretty close when we grew up, playing a lot of football down the street and games and stuff, and our families are friends. So, uh, yeah, when you were over, was it two years ago? Yeah, two um, years ago, yeah. And you were looking for a game. And yeah, so it was nice to meet you then. And, yeah, there's a family connection there. Well, it was, it was really nice. And for me, um, I felt like... You know, you, you had already been part of my golfing sort of journey, so to speak, because I'd heard about you so often and so much, you know, through all of my trips to Scotland for, you know, visiting my wife's family, visiting my family, and I'd heard about your journey for a long time, you know, how the young girl up the street was a very good golfer and then this young lady became a very, very good golfer and, you know, through uh, all of your, your career up until this day. So I just thought that it was a great opportunity while I'm here, back here, and... Um, yeah, playing a lot of golf here was to sit down and have a chat and for you to tell me that story. Yep. So, so um, thanks for coming. My thank- golf story, so... So when did you start? When did when did golf become a thing for you as a youngster? So my dad played um, and he took me along to the driving range when I was probably eight or nine. That's when I first probably had a golf club in my hands um, and then... I kind of liked it, so he took me along to some junior lessons at the Melville Driving Range Junior Golf Foundation. It was kind of once a week group coaching. Um, and then I joined, from there I joined Preston Field Golf Club in Edinburgh when I was 11. Um, and yeah, I played a lot from about 13, 14 onwards. Golf's been like a massive part of my life from that age. Um, but yeah, it all kind of started from my dad, his love of the game, and he'd he'd tried to get both me and my sister into playing, but she she didn't really like it. Um, so yeah, but it was me, and from then it's kind of I always wanted to. I think someone must have suggested it to me. You want to be a pro girl, and I was just starting out, and I thought that sounded really cool, and yeah, it's been kind of my goal ever since. Um, so yeah, it's pretty cool that now I am a professional golfer. <laughs> You are that, and and doing doing very well. When did what age were was it that you thought that you might become a professional golfer? 
Uh, I think that was always there for yeah. me. Like just the idea of it when I started. I don't ever remember it being like, okay, now I'm good enough. I'll, I'll think about turning pro. I just always knew that that's the goal, even though I was obviously a beginner and maybe not that good when I started. But it was always kind of the idea that eventually I would be good enough to turn pro. Now, Scotland and most, well, not most so Edinburgh, but I've only experienced it in Edinburgh, seems to be um, a place where golf is part of the school sports format. You know, it's the only place where I've seen a couple of youngsters jumping on and off of buses in their full school uniform with golf clubs in the, on their back. Doesn't seem to happen in Australia either. But was golf part of the school curriculum? No, not for me, but... Um... Yeah, my school team didn't have a golf team when I went to high school and secondary school. There was, wasn't a golf team or anything. I think some schools there are, but um, and it might have changed now. But it wasn't. It was really just kind of me. I did do that. Like I used to get the bus after school to Prestonfield uh, before I could get myself down to Craigie Law. Um, but no, it wasn't part of the school curriculum. Yeah, it was kind of. It was one of the only people in my school to play golf, especially the only girl probably. Um, and when I was a junior, it was mostly the boys that were I was playing with. Um, and I think that can sometimes put off a lot of girls from playing, but mm. um, I didn't really mind it. I was probably a little bit of a tomboy at the time and liked football, liked golf, so I, didn't, I just kind of enjoyed it either way. But yeah, there wasn't a lot of girls playing golf uh, back then. So you're a big football fan? Mm -hmm. was, was playing football and everything like as a you know, I played you at primary school so I probably it was the first sport that I played before golf like um, we had a girls football team actually but uh, my dad used to play he played a lot of football so me and my sister would have to go along to his games on a Saturday morning and he would take us to the Hearts games so we've been lifelong supporters um, and yeah then golf kind of came along and uh, started to play golf and then I played a little bit of hockey, uh, field hockey at school. Um, but golf by then was more kind of my sport, so yeah. I kind of took over from there. You went there with the football and being a lifelong Hearts fan, as, a, as am I. I'm not, I'm not sure about the listeners. They, you know, they'll support all their teams, but I reckon that's got a bit to do with uh, adding to your, your resilience and determination, <laughs> you'd have to say. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um and right now they're struggling, um, but yeah, no, it's always a passion for football and. Uh, Season ticket holder, aren't you? Uh, not anymore. I was when I was younger, yeah. but since I've golf, I don't get a lot of chance to go to the games. But my my dad and my sister, they they're both season ticket holders, um, so I try and go along when I'm home. I went to the Hearts shop yesterday. You know, the only other person that I saw in there as I was walking out. Who's that? Another Australian. <laughs> so the two people in the Hearts fan shop yesterday were two Aussies that have come to buy some gear. But anyway, it's uh, it's a place that I'll always visit and always will. So back to the Melville College, uh, the Melville Melville College, um, Melville Golf um, Academy. Mm -hmm. Just a range, is that? Yeah, they had. There's a range and there was a kind of a short game area and a nine-hole course attached to it as well. Um, just on the outskirts of Edinburgh um, and the pro I think at the time was Gary Carter so they had they ran the Junior Golf Foundation which I think is a UK wide um, organisation and it was kind of blocks of lessons so you'd kind of go from bronze and then you had to kind of 
pass so many tests to then get to the silver level and then gold and that was kind of you completing the foundation so I did that um, it was a Sunday Sunday evening normally in the cold and dark <laughs> but uh, yeah that's how I got into the game so after that we progressed into playing competitive amateur golf mm-hmm. and your amateur career was pretty successful what was what was some of the what did you what did you learn out of being an amateur golfer that you've been able to that's set you up for being you know in your early years of being a pro um I learned. I think there's quite a good circuit. Um, I kind of progressed from kind of the junior stuff into so your under 16s, under 18s, and then the ladies golf. And I used to play all of the kind of UK amateur events. So I'd go to the Welsh stroke play, the Irish, the English, the Scottish open stroke play, Troon. So, um, and a lot of it being links golf, I guess it helps your kind of creativity and shot making skills but it was all, all, always in quite often in bad weather windy weather so yeah there's a bit of resilience I guess in there but um, I was part of the national team and we would travel sometimes abroad as well And So when did you make the national team? Uh, so I played at girls level in the home internationals um, when I was under 18 and then 2013 I got my first full cap in the ladies team um, at Scotts Great Golf Club, and then I played, I played in the European, the team that goes to the European Team Championships and the World Team Championships in Japan. So I travelled a lot, and it's definitely helped me get to where I am today. Who did you? Who were some of the people that you would have um, played alongside in those teams? Do we know any of them? Uh, like Scots or yeah, Europeans? Yeah, yeah, Scots. Uh, well, Gemma Driver, she's now playing on the LPGA. She was in the teams with me. Um, I'm trying to think. A lot of the girls are still amateur. Um, but I kind of played in some of those teams as well, or just turning pro now. So um, some of the girls that are a bit older than me, where they weren't quite in the same teams that are currently out on the European tour. Um, and you. And your biggest win as an amateur? So I won the Scottish Amateur in 2014 at Presswick. So that was kind of the highlight for me. Um, I had a really good season that year and it was a good field. It's the 100th uh, anniversary of the Scottish Amateur. So it was quite a prestigious year. They took it to Presswick. and Which is where the first Open was ever played. First ever Open, yeah. a lot of history there. And it's a really quirky golf course. Um, Nothing really quite like it. It's now my favourite golf course, surprisingly, not surprisingly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, it was a really special week. Um, and uh, yeah, I had a lot of great games. And in the final, uh, I was kind of up most of the way, but I was playing against Connie Jaffrey and she kind of fought her way back and we ended up all square going down the last. Um, and we both... Uh, made pars and had to go down the first hole, the 19th, uh, and it's a tough, if you've played it, it's a tough hole, um, don't want to hit it too far off the tee, it gets pretty narrow and all down the right, there's the train line out of bounds and rough, quite thick rough left, so I, th- I think I was hitting a five wood or something off a rescue off the tee, and I'd hit it slightly left, um, 
but I'd luckily enough stayed out of kind of the thick heathery stuff and still had quite a long way in. So I hit a forearm and I <laughs> struck it really nicely. I, I kind of went out towards the wall and there's a wee mound just short of that. Took one bounce just onto the front of the green um, and I took two putts from there and that was enough to seal the win. So. What did uh, what did Connie do on that hole? She ended up in the greenside bunker. Um, I can't remember if she got it out first time, but yeah, par was good enough for me to to win there. But um, yeah, it was a great win, and uh, I happened to be I've been runner up in it since twice, so twenty sixteen and got to the final, um, and then last year in twenty eighteen at Ely also got to the final. But um, twenty fourteen winning it was the highlight for me. So it's a pretty, uh, pretty high high level of achievement for. Uh, is that all of the best players in the UK that are coming up to that? No, that's just in Scotland. Just Scotland. Yeah. So, you, so the girls from down south wouldn't come up and play. No, that? it's a close. That was a closed field. Yeah, right. So, so you had to be Scottish only. Yeah, yeah right. Mm-hmm. Very good. And you do two two qualifying rounds, short play, and then goes into match play after yeah. that. Mm-hmm. So press week favorite course. Mm-hmm, what about what about down this way? What's your favorite Didn't course? You? <laughs> should probably say uh, Craigie though. <laughs> no, yeah, of course. But, uh, it, it, I, and I can see why why this course um, is such a good place for you, obviously due to the facilities, but yeah. just the course itself will lend... It's lend tough it. around the greens. Yeah. So the greens are kind of known for being upturned saucer style greens, so the ball runs off and you're normally having to lift it back up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, other, there's so many good courses down here. Gullen, number one, North Berwick. Muirfield, um, pretty spoiled for choice. So yeah, they're all good. Um, I noticed with your short game the other day, which I thought was, you know, you you're using that um, low bounce black Vokey wedge, and I watched you uh, just pick your landing spots, which were different. You know, I'm a maybe a slow learner for golf, and we're, and my short game's not my strength, as the guys listening will know. Um, because I talk about it a lot, so maybe I should stop doing that. But I just saw you bouncing the ball like well short of the green, and just rolling it up pretty close most of the time. You know, you're off to go off to Germany to on the weekend mm-hmm. yep. to play in a parkland course. What's the, the, the for those that haven't played proper links golf? What what is that like? What do you have to do? What do you have to think about? that's different to the types of golf that we would play in Australia or, you know, very much so in America and that sort of thing. How do you describe it? Uh, it's just a lot firmer, faster, um, you get less spin, so you've got to land the ball short of the hole, especially it's pretty firm out there when we played the other day. I was finding it quite difficult because um, <laughs> it's so different to what I'm playing on tour, um, just adjusting again. But, yeah, uh, if you've got to normally land the ball well short of the pins and allow for to run out... Um, and a lot of bump and run style shots um, normally needed on Lynx Golf, whereas when I'm on tour, the greens are really receptive, so we can kind of fire at the pins most of the time, you're, or you're getting backspin. Mm. Um, it can be a lot more aggressive when you're chipping, but uh, yeah, it's definitely different. It just takes a few days to get back <laughs> back into playing Lynx Golf again. It certainly takes take me a few days or a few weeks um, but it's it's a fun challenge to get used to and it's a bit of a you know for people that haven't been to Scotland and experienced Lynx golf you know I think the stereotypical perception of Scotland is it's wet it's cold and it's soft and 
certainly today's weather challenges any conception that people would have around that because it's an absolutely beautiful day. But the ground is soft, but the ball bounces and it doesn't spin on the green like you've described and that's so hard for me to get used to for not wanting to chip it up onto the green Mm -hmm. and just yeah and that's what I've been doing for two weeks and watching it roll out and roll past and put me into that terrible three-putt zone which you witnessed many of from me the other day so it's um do you do you think that that links golf experience and background is easier and helps make the transition when you get into that parkland environment um, I think it gives you more shots if you've played a lot of links golf. You yeah. definitely have to develop skills when it's windy to keep the ball down and around the greens probably be a bit more creative. So it's great to have that. Um, but also I find that it's good for me to play parkland golf when I'm home just so I'm getting ready for what I'm playing out on tour. Um and I'd played quite a few events on the LET Access Tour as an amateur, so I kind of realised pretty quick that the courses are parkland, they're tight, the yeah. grass is lush. So I tried to, you know, take that on board and kind of knew what I was going into for when I turned pro this year and knew I'd be playing courses like that. So let's talk about turning pro. So you said that you played LET Access as an amateur. Yeah, I was lucky enough to get um, some invites to keep a few spots each tournament um, and through Scottish Golf uh, they managed to secure some invite spots so over the last couple of years I have played half a dozen events um, I think that really helped I just kind of knew what the players were like what I needed to do, the courses, sell the courses so I think uh, when I was turning pro I felt pretty comfortable and I knew I kind of had that experience behind me so yeah, yeah it was great did you learn about the prep that was required? Did you, was that a, you know, what sort of prep do you do now for an event in terms of preparing for courses? You know, do, do you rock up as an LAT access um, tour player and you've all your yardage books are provided, your green reading books and all of that provided? Yeah, we get yeah. our books provided, yeah. Cool. Um, and normally I have one full practice day so you'll get 18 holes in and then the next day is normally the pro-am um, and if you're not in the pro-am you normally get nine holes in so that's kind of the days that you get to prep it's not a lot of time but uh, you can learn pretty quickly what you need to take in on those days so that decision to turn pro which was earlier this year around yep. i around turned pro in february, february. this year yep, 2019 so you're sitting at home with Keith, and you just say, Dad, I'm going to turn pro today. No, how does that really work? No, well, I've been thinking about it for a while. The whole last year, uh, in 2018, I knew that I'd gone to Q School before um, as an amateur, um, and it hadn't quite worked out. I didn't get to final stage, so my playing opportunities would have been a bit limited, so I stayed amateur. um, But I kind of knew that come the end of 2018, I'd be going back to Q School and... Uh, hopefully turning pro so there was a long period of time where I'd been thinking about it and making sure I had things in place for doing it um, and then yeah last year I went to Q school um, where was that where was Q school in Morocco yep um, they, could, they, couldn't just have it, they couldn't just have it down the road or anything <laughs> like that I think good. it's always uh, kind of November time pre-qualifying yeah uh, so with the weather yeah um, so I actually moved to Portugal this year, but uh, so I was in Morocco last year. 
and played pretty well, got through to final stage. Um, and then my mum, unfortunately, had been uh, really ill and she passed away in December and I had to withdraw. Um, but because I'd secured my playing rights, uh, if I kind of get into the final stage, I was able to play a full season this year on the Access Tour. Yeah, it was a tough time and I remember that and uh, I really did, I felt a lot for you then, but I was so happy that when you made, you know, that decision and and you, you know, started popping up playing on the tour events, it was great. And where was the first run of tour events that you jetted off to? So February when I turned pro, I headed out to South Africa um, to play on the Sunshine Ladies Tour. Um, there's a few other girls that were heading out as well. Um, so the Sunshine Tour is what? What does Sunshine Tour mean? So it's the it's the ladies' tour in South Africa. Right, it's the so same it's as the, the main, men's the main tour. tour. Yep. Um, yet they run Sunshine Men's Tour and the ladies' tour. And the men's tour runs kind of all year round. But for the ladies, it's really like a summer tour. So it runs January to kind of March. Um, and there was about 11 events, uh, I think, this year. I headed out for five, so for five weeks, um, and that was my first event as a pro out in George at Fancourt uh, and George Golf Club. It was an amazing place for my first event. The courses yeah. were just so good. And the men play there too, don't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was the Die Data, uh, Dimension Data Pro-Am, that format, and the men are also playing that event. Um, so it was a, a really good event to start at Hospitality and played with an amateur. It was good fun. And you know I played, I played really good, and I came tied six. Um, so yeah, it was a kind of started. Well, kind of started much better, um, and it gave me quite a lot of confidence. And I played pretty well the rest of the trip. I had, I came two top fifteens and two top tens. So I came third at Wild Coast. Um, so two events there where I was kind of in contention. Um, have done a little bit better as always so I kind of knew that I could win at this level and yeah it was great for my confidence coming back home. I think in Australia we're jealous of the Sunshine Tour because it does both in the men's and the ladies it gets good fields down there you know, mm-hmm. it's pretty tough competition and it runs at the same time as I think the Australian Tour would love to have more events but you know for whatever reason they can't seem to manage it but um, you know down in South Africa it's a pretty I don't know how to, to describe it properly, but it's not the safest place in the world. I, I know I know it's a beautiful country, and but you know things that I've heard about colleagues that have worked down there. Were there any challenges that way, or you just bomb into the tour tour off, um, event office and away you go? You're all looked after. Uh, we kind of organised it ourselves. We stayed in Airbnbs mostly, but before I headed out there, it was my first time and. A lot of people kind of frightened me. They were yeah. saying how scared it can be and don't go anywhere on your own and be really careful. Oh, it's a bunch of girls on your own. You're going to be okay kind yeah. of thing. But yeah. actually we had no problems Good. when we were there. Um, had a great time and, you know, everybody was really nice and looked after us. Um, we had a host family one week and, um, yeah, no, it went really well. We had no issues there. They think the scariest part of the trip was uh, we went to... Uh, Cape Point, kind of national park, um, and there was lots of like wild baboons, 
and that was like the worst part the scariest moment probably all year and they're 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 after your food but they are quite aggressive and we end up getting chased by these pins <laughs> trying to run back to the car um i had that sort of like a plum or something in my bag and i think i could smell it so i was trying to throw that away um but no apart from that yeah we were fine it's all good not too many baboons here in scotland mate. no but, yeah baboon I've had to, I had to, um, I joked with Rocket, who I do the, some of the podcasts with, and you may or may not have heard, and I said, Rocket, there's two things guaranteed, and I'm actually refraining from, from one of them at the moment, there's two things guaranteed when I get to Scotland, is that first thing, as soon as my foot touches the tarmac, I'll put five kilos on, <laughs> and then at some point in the juncture, I'll start talking this weird Scottish hybrid Australian accent. <laughs> I don't think I've done it yet. But if I do, you're allowed to say, you're doing it, all right? And when you said baboon, like, I, wanted to, I wanted to, it triggered something that I wanted to talk in a Scottish accent, and then you go, baboon. Uh, the scary baboon story. So you're hanging out, hanging out with a group of girls down there? Mm-hmm. Who are they? Uh, so the girls I've been sharing with this year, um, a Scottish girl, Laura Murray, uh, English girl, Rachel Goodall. So I've travelled quite a lot with them, um, and there was a few others... Uh, Brits that we were out with, um, my friend Hannah McCook, another Scot that just turned pro this year as well. So we've kind of been uh, through all the junior stuff together and amateur stuff. So we both turned pro this year, which has been nice that we're both out there. So yeah, there's a, about five of us or so that we travelled with in South how's, Africa. How's Laura going? Is she going? Pro- yeah, she's having a good year. Um, same as Rachel, they're both playing well. So it's been good to kind of play with them and we're all having quite good seasons so rooting for each other. each other on, yeah. yeah exactly um so yeah i think they're both sitting at 10th or so on the order merit um yeah it's been really good, good so times. how many since south africa so I had the sunshine tour start of the year and then you moved to some european events yeah as so the weather got better the access tour started in april so i was home kind of mid-march um i think i was only home for two weeks and then kind of been busy with the access tours from then um so there has been 20 or so events um and from the summer they've kind of been running pretty much every week so it's been really busy but i'm enjoying it and you were saying the other day that you know just because it's access to it doesn't mean that there's not you know the players from the LAT playing there as well. There's some girls that drop down and, and play both tours. Yeah. How does that work? So the LAT, some, they've had kind of gaps in their schedule. Um, so quite often the girls that have got their full Ladies European Tour cards, they come and play the tour below. Um, I think there's so many spots for them in that category. Um, so yeah, the fields are normally pretty strong. There's normally half a dozen or more uh, people that have got LAT cards also playing on the access. Okay. I saw Carly Booth in the LAT Access rankings. She's like 24th or something. She, there was, there's a couple of co-sanctioned events. Yeah. So um, I played in the one in the Czech Republic that Carly went on one. So there's a lot of the girls that end up on the order merit because they've played in the two that are co-sanctioned between the main tour and the Access tour. But uh, in terms of the rankings, they'll drop out at the end of the year because they've only played... Or they already have a full card and they've only played so many events. It was a good week for Cali. Yeah. No, not really. Um, a few years older than me and she turned pro 
when she was quite young, I was just kind of starting out. But um, yeah, it's good to see a fellow Scot do well on tour. So who, other than the ones that you've mentioned, who are the Scots to take note of in the ladies' world of golf? Who do you, who do you keep your eye on? Who do you who do you look up to? Uh, that's always been Katrina Matthew, really. Yeah. Um, she's been a great role model for all Scottish golfers, and she's kind of stepping down a wee bit her playing career now. Obviously, done brilliant winning the Solheim Cup and captain in the team last weekend. It was great to see. So. Uh, but yeah, for a long time she's been the the role model, and she's from not too far from here, down in North Berwick. Mm. Um, had a great amateur career and played so well professionally for so long as well. So we were both at the Solheim Cup on Sunday, um, and I sort of went into it with an open mind. I did, I, I missed out on going to the Ryder Cup at Glen Eagles, I had, which I had tickets to in two thousand fourteen, and I couldn't go for whatever circumstances so I was pretty excited to go but I didn't know what really to expect and it just blew me away mm-hmm. just the sheer volume of people that were there um, I wasn't really prepared for as many like just to see some of the the people gathering around the 16th for example obviously 16th is a pretty crucial hole in match play it's where a lot of matches finish so the, the people that were gathered around there was did, did you have any idea of how many people it was like? 80, uh, nine, over 90,000, I think. Uh, it was so good. Over the three what did, days. What did you think being there? Oh, it was incredible. The atmosphere was oh, so tense and exciting. And um, for it to come down to the last putt, I think we couldn't have kind of scripted it any better, really. Um, but yeah, it was a great buzz. And um, I kind of watched everybody tee off, first the atmosphere, you know, everyone was singing. and. Um, yeah, it was fantastic, and uh, I wandered out and then kind of headed for the 10th green, and there was a lot of people gathered around the par 3 there, and then I kind of was around the 17th green as well, and yeah, it was just great atmosphere, um, so good for women's golf to see them get big crowds and, and probably attract a lot of attention to people that aren't golfers, and hopefully, you know, participation can grow because of that. Do you, do you think it'll have a big impact on women's golf? Hopefully. Yeah. It's hard to say. Um, but yeah, hopefully the legacy of having it in Scotland um, will encourage more girls and women to take it up. Who are your favourite players that you were you know, surrounded by on the weekend? Oh, they were all great. I think that was the, the key to Europe doing well. There's a lot of strength and depth in the team and they all seem to get on really well. Um I've played a golf with a few of the girls on uh, the European team, so that was pretty cool to see them on that kind of stage. I remember I played golf with Anne Van Dam um, in Japan at the World Amateur Team Championships, and she hit it so far back then. I was not surprised to see her where she is nowadays. Um, it's fairly impressive. Really impressive. Um, uh, but equally to see you know Celine Boutier and Georgia Hall go unbeaten, um, and I've played with both of them in amateur golf as well, so... You know, that was really special as well. And uh, yeah, they're good role models for me. Now, we spoke about you coming down to Victoria for the Vic Open, <laughs> which I would love to see you at. And there's a few things going on with um, sanctioning and that, I believe, that you told me that might may or may not impact um, the European girls' desires to come down there. But, you know, if you need any <laughs> um, advice on getting to 13th Beach, to speak to Celine because she won it down there last <laughs> yeah, year and uh, right. and she was 
she was very, very good and and she was just played unbelievable golf in some pretty tough conditions down there on it's as close as we've got to Lynx golf, mm-hmm. put it that way. It's it's not true Lynx like we've got around here, but in terms of the conditions and the and the grass type, um, you'll you'll have a lot of familiarity with that. The fescue, mm-hmm. which is not very common, because um, it needs a certain climate. You know, it needs this sort of climate, not hot Australian weather. But um, it really is a, a great event. So that's my pitch. For, uh, <laughs> yeah, for the, you've sold for it to me. Well, I'd love to come down. Maybe, and... We'll do whatever it takes. We'll do whatever it takes. We'll do whatever it takes to get you down there. Um, just back to the Solheim. Um, now, you mentioned Katrina, and I think she did a great job as a captain. And not that I'm an expert in captaining, captaining sides in, in match play, but I've played in some match play sides, and it, you know, there's a bit of thinking that goes on about it at club level, let alone for the biggest golf tournament in uh, in the in the business. Her decision to pick um, Suzanne, mm-hmm. yeah, because I saw you put hashtag Steely, which is your nickname, right? <laughs> which is your nickname, right? That's here, right yeah. And you're giving it to her. But what, what did you think when when she picked? Uh, well, she hadn't played a lot of golf, so it was quite a controversial pick. Um, she'd obviously had a child, and I think only played two events this year and missed the cut. So, you know. Uh, Maybe it wasn't an obvious choice, but I think she proved <laughs> that it was the right decision. And, you know, I think all the players were asked. I watched a, a video clip at the start of the week and it was kind of a getting to know the team and they were joking around and they were asked, that, like, who in the team would you want to have to hold a winning putt? And nearly all of them says, said Suzanne and then it came down to That's how her it, holding yeah. the putt. So, I mean, you couldn't have scripted it any better and... Yeah, I think she's somebody that a lot of people probably wouldn't want to play in match play. She's a gritty competitor and mm. she seems to always perform well in the Solheim under a lot of pressure. So, um, yeah, really gutsy performance from her and um, I think she's now saying she's going to retire, but what a way to go out. It was phenomenal, but walking around and the people that I was um, with and I'll give him a mention right now, thanks to Paul McLean from Bushnell. Uh, he was very kind to uh, host me to some very nice hospitality there at uh, Glen Eagles on the weekend, and thank you for that. But he had to leave because he had to get down to England, and it was sort of like, oh, you know, the US have got this in the bag. It's done. And it just turned within two holes, two matches. Yeah, it was bang, bang. pretty quick. It, wasn't, it was looking close all day, but... Um, I wasn't sure it just could have gone either way near the end there and uh, I think there was a couple of games that went up 18 that uh, we probably I thought we might have needed more points out of um, Charlie Hall and Anne Van Dam um, I think Charlie lost the last to get half and Anne obviously lost but at that point I was thinking no no I mm. think we might have needed those points but within about 20 minutes or so uh, Bronte and Suzanne you know they turned things around and uh, yeah, it happened so quickly. Bronte got her point, and then it was suddenly, oh, this is the point to win. And I think that's what made yeah, it so yeah. exciting, you know. And if the uh, uh, American had hold, um, could would have been a completely different yeah. story in last. But yeah, it went perfect for Europe. Do you know Bronte? 
uh, a little bit. I've met her once um, at the European Team Championships, and she's pretty competitive, yeah. but haven't actually played golf with her. Okay. So it must give you a lot of motivation, a lot of lift, watching that and being around that and, and driving you on. Yeah? Oh, for sure. I mean, it's really inspiring stuff, and um, yeah, hopefully I can be there one day. Absolutely. So how do you how do you channel that energy into you know, finishing off your season? And what does it what does the rest of the season look like? So we've got two more events on the Access Tour. I'm going to Germany on Monday, and then we have uh, the final event in France, kind of the tour finals called the Road to La Largue, um, where the top fifty five you have to qualify to get into that. So two more events. So I'm hoping for a strong finish. Um, and then we'll see where we are placed for uh, Q School. If I can get into the top 20, I can get straight to final stage. Um, so, yeah, we'll see how it goes. And right now you're, fin- you're sitting where? 20, 23rd. 23rd. A couple points out of the yeah, top 20? I'm not, uh, not too sure exactly, but um, we'll see. So life on the road, what does, it, what does it take to, you know, you were mentioning earlier on that, to fly to Germany, you know, to get the right, you know, cost structure and fares and all that sort of thing, you know. So you're running yourself like a business now, yeah? It's mm-hmm. it's a business of being a pro, so you've got to watch your costs, just like my business. I've got to watch the costs and save where I can. So to get to Germany, to make the right connections, you've got to drive to Aberdeen. I'm going from Aberdeen. Normally I can get flights from Edinburgh, but just they weren't working out for some reason. So, yeah, fly Aberdeen to Amsterdam, Amsterdam to Bremen. So that's my plans on Monday. It's a big, it's a big journey to get to two hours away, yeah. Yeah. But you've got to do it. Yeah, it's just working out easier. My dad's on hand, luckily, to yeah. drive me up there. So in terms of support, you know, your team, you know, like all of the, the the pros that you listen to and watch, you know, they always talk about the team. Yeah. What does your team look like? Yeah. So well, my mum and dad have always been massive supporters of my golf, and um, this year especially, dad's been helping me out with all the kind of stuff off the golf course. Um, and what, did you, what did you call it the other day? Manager. <laughs> admin. <laughs> yeah, the <probably> admin and <laughs> things that come with being a pro. So it's been great to have his help. Um, Do you have a manager? No. No? No, not at the moment. And uh, my golf coach, I'm working with David Patrick. Mm-hmm. Um, been working with him for two and a bit years now. So, uh, yeah, it's been great to have his help. Um, and yeah, I can I Dean Robertson, um, who works with the University of Stirling, has given me quite a bit of help in the last year and a half or so. Uh, kind of more like a mentor, but um, also work a little bit with him. But all of all of the effort to get to tournaments, it's all under your own steam. It's all under your own coin. All under your own money. You know, you've got to pay for mostly everything to get or everything to get to events. Yeah, so um, the club have been great supporters for me, so um, I wouldn't be able to play and do what I do without their help. Um, so Craigie Law, they're uh, kind of sponsoring me, and luckily this year I've got a new partnership with Pure Spa, mm-hmm. um, and they're also helping me, so making it possible to play and help with my expenses. So it's great to have them as a partnership this year. So. For people listening, and you know they're coming across, and they're bringing their, you know, husbands, wives, families across here, 
who are pure spa and beauty? Who are they? <laughs> so there's a spa, spa, I'll do a little shout out. Michael. Who, is it Michael that I met the other day? Uh, yes, yeah, so he's a director of the company and... A good, um, a good Aussie. <laughs> so they're a spa and beauty company. Um, I think they have 14 in the UK. Um, and they're based in quite a lot of David Lloyds. Um, so there's a few, there's three in Edinburgh. And um, kind of all over. So David, David Lloyd's is a gym, yep. so health and fitness facility. Mm-hmm. They're based there one. and they have a lot of their own, sometimes in hotels and different uh, spaces. But um, yeah, so it's been a good fit for me. Um, they're obviously in the kind of health industry, so it's good for me to fit. I can come home and get a massage. <laughs> There's plus yeah. points there as well. And, you know, it's... Uh, be quite tiring and physically physically demanding being a professional athlete so yeah it's great to have their help and it's a good fit for me so go to pure spa and beauty and tell them gabrielle sent you <laughs> is that the message that's what i'm hearing <laughs> look is there any is that there's got to be some more room on on that uh is it foot joy gear or what gear no no, no, brand, <laughs> yeah. no, 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 no there's no brand on there so there's a room for a brand gear brand there but there's got to be room for some other uh, sponsors on there somewhere yeah yep uh, definitely so i'm really grateful to have the support from pure spa and and craigie law and a few others but uh there's obviously a lot of costs that come traveling uh, and playing all the events that i do so you know there's room for more, more Absol- help there. Absolutely. so any of you club manufacturers uh, that are out there any of you you know the bushnells the ball sponsors the shoe people of the world these young guys out here doing this are out there representing themselves and ultimately representing golf brands as well so you'd be mad not to jump onto you know especially young ladies like gabrielle who are just you know bringing golf to a whole new range of people and doing a great job at that so there you go sponsors get on board with the ladies who are out there grinding away it's good fun hey um Let's, can we just rewind for one sec? Sorry, you mentioned it before, and it came up earlier on. St Andrews, mm-hmm. the, the home of golf. golf. <laughs> now you've got a pretty strong connection with the home of golf. Mm-hmm. So I studied there um, for four years uh, and got a degree MA in geography, um, and was part of the golf team. Um, it wasn't just part of the golf team. <laughs> Captain the golf team, oh, the girls' yeah. team uh, for two years, I think, oh. when I was there. But oh, it was great. Um, loved it being there. I mean, the town's fantastic, and got to play all the courses in St Andrews. Got to play the old course. The facilities top class. So when it, did you, when did you get to play the old course? You can play it all year round. Oh, whenever you want. Well, you have to. You enter the ballot, but you mm. can play any time, and quite often. Uh, in the winter they have kind of dark times where it's not busy like late on in the afternoon that you can skip out so I mean I probably didn't take advantage of it enough but uh, yeah my boyfriend and his friends that are on the the men's golf team they were on there all the time on the course so yeah uh, we were really lucky actually to be able to do that. It's a pretty popular university isn't it? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of students from all over Um, we get a lot of yeah, from all over the world. Um, so yeah, I was did you, delighted when I was able. I got accepted, and I remember. Did you see your time at St Andrews with anyone that's of any, you know, 
weren't they with Prince William or anything no, like that? No, it was before my before, your before time. me, yeah. But you were there at a similar time, maybe your paths just crossed a little bit when with Australia's very own Lucas Michelle. Yeah, so um, I was just thinking back there. I think he came over for a semester abroad in my final year, so I met him briefly. And then he, I think, came back just the year after I finished up, so I, I don't know him too well, but I followed his kind of progress and just saw last night or this morning, this morning that he yeah. won the US Mid-Amateur, so, yeah, so fantastic. Lucas Michel, uh, congratulations to you, young man. He's a fine young golfer from the Metropolitan Golf Club in Melbourne. Pretty good track, Gabriel. So when you come to Melbourne, we'll get Lucas to take you to Metropolitan. <laughs> but he's gone and won the US Mid-Am. Now, Mid-Am is like over 25 I or over so, yeah. So it's it's a category for, you know, past that age group. And, and that has just earned himself a entry into, we believe, the US Open and potentially even the Masters. Masters, I think. Not yeah. bad. Yeah. Really. Not bad. US Open at Wingfoot and, and the Masters at, at Augusta. And... The final of that, it's obviously a 36-hole event, and I think I was following the results this morning as it was going through, and he was like, he got it back to all square. He was like two down going into the last nine, and he won two and one. So it was a, it was a pretty steely, it must have been a steely result. Steely. Why am I keep talking about steely? Is that your nickname? That's what I get called from some of the members here, yeah. Ste- why steely? Um, so... When I joined, um, I was 13, 14, and we went to, we'd qualified for kind of British grand finals in Spain, and uh, the event was getting covered by Sky Sports, so... Um, can, I I, can I interrupt for a sec? So on your webpage, there's a picture of you and that team, yeah? Mm-hmm. Are you the one second from the left? I don't know, probably. That's, that's about... A foot shorter than anyone else? Probably, yeah. <laughs> I was the only girl on the team, so uh, that's probably right. And so where was that at? Where did you go? Uh, the first year was in La Manga, um, and then we qualified a few other times. So the, Yeah, but I got nicknamed it by the commentator at the time who was doing the coverage um, for Sky. I think I managed to close out a match, um, turn it around or... I can't remember the exact result, but he called me Steely, or he said she's got a great Steely determination, and it kind of stuck with the junior convener. So I've been known as Steely ever since. And uh, yeah, I think when I played for the junior team here, that was I normally would kind of win or close matches kind of pulled through. So um, yeah, the nickname's kind of stuck. Steely. They still call you it downstairs in the bar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <quick> Steely. <laughs> so, um, Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So what's in, you know, just closing off now, um, gear-wise, what are you playing with? What do you What do you like to use? Uh, so I've got Titleist clubs just now and had a bit of support when I was an amateur from them. Um, so yeah, I've got the AP3 irons, TS3 driver, bokeh wedges, it's got camera power, but I've got a couple of other clubs in there. Still got a, a ping, a uh, Hybrid, it's one of my favourite clubs. Um, so yeah, but at the moment mostly titles. Practice regime. Uh, every day I'm kind of practicing when I'm home. Um, I love to go down on the par three course here and and kind of play different games. And they've built in some new tees, so there's uh, you're hitting kind of an iron shot and then a wedge shot off the front tees. So 
it's a great facility for me to work on my short game. Favourite music? Favourite music? I've listened to everything really. Um, been to see the Lumineers quite a bit, so kind of indie pop stuff, but yeah, anything. Favourite books? Uh, I used to read a lot and I loved Harry Potter when I was growing up, so probably go with that. I think my other favourite book is a book my mum gave me to read um, last summer. Um, uh, Captain Kareli's Mandolin. It's about the kind of an old war story. Um, I think it's made into a movie actually. But, uh, and it's set in Greek island. Um, but yeah, that's probably my favourite book. Now you grew up in a part of town in Edinburgh that's not too far from where J.K. Rowling herself grew up. Mm -hmm. Do you ever come across her? No. Never. You haven't got one of these stories about J.K. Rowling that you were in a cafe. She was there writing. You know where her house is there. <laughs> but, uh, that's about it. <laughs> She's a good benefactor. Surely she can. T yeah, anyway. <laughs> hey, um, have you got any questions? Have you got any questions about golf in Australia? No, I've, be, I've spent some time in Perth. So um, my uncle lives out there, so um, I played quite a bit of golf over there, and I love it out there. I just need to get over east and uh, come see what the courses in Melbourne mm -hmm. are like. Well, it's a great place to come down and play and practice, certainly while it's uh, cold here and there's not much going on. You're always welcome over in the east in Melbourne, and we can get you sorted with some great places to play, some great places to practice so uh, we'd love to see you down there Gabrielle I've enjoyed playing golf with you I've enjoyed and I, and I enjoy following your career and I wish you all the very best of success and I'm sure that your big break isn't that far away you've done really well and you're doing really well you're a fine young lady and a good ambassador to your family to this club and all the people that support you and um, and I wish you all the best Thanks, Ross. Thanks for having me on. It's oh, been a pleasure. No, thank you. Thank you very much. Well, Gabrielle McDonald, that's it. You've got to get up the road and play some parkland golf in prep for Germany. Mm -hmm. Thanks for your time on the Marlowe Golf thank Podcast. Thank you. Cheers for having me.